Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we do a deep dive into that elusive work-life balance. What does it look like for two doctor moms? Why is it so challenging? And what could we all do to achieve it? Also, we share our physician mom life hack of the week. Keep listening to learn how to make your family's life a little less chaotic and much more enjoyable. I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. And I'm Dr. Lisa Verghese-Kroll. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to talk with you today uh, for this episode, which is on work-life balance. And we do want to mention that, you know, we know that the world is still in a crazy time. COVID-19 is dominating our news waves almost everywhere we look. And remember that this episode is pre-recorded and it's almost guaranteed but that by the time you listen to it, things will have changed again. So, Always check the CDC and World Health Organization websites for the most up-to-date news. And we're going to try to continue to provide other episodes on um, different topics just to provide a little bit of a distraction and to remind ourselves that life goes on and we do still have to manage a lot of aspects of life even in this uh, unmatched time. So we hope you'll continue to join us. Yeah, hopefully you'll find these episodes helpful as many of you are probably taking on more responsibilities at home or at work during this time. And we're here for you. Exactly. So jumping right in, today we're talking about our take on work-life balance. You know, that that thing that's that unicorn that's so hard to grab hold of mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that all of us are striving for. And, you know, everyone has faced this challenge in one way or another. And for us in particular, uh, as physicians, some of the challenges that we've faced have been very specific to our own experiences. You know, I think particularly in medicine, it's very easy to tip the pendulum towards work. And I think there are there are many fields that are like this. Um, you know, the fact that there are 80-hour work weeks and 30-hour overnight shifts. And, you know, in the past, uh, right now, there are laws regulating the number of hours that residents can work. But certainly in the past, there was no limit. So, you know, there are, there are people who worked 110 or 120 hours a week, uh, every week. So, you know, the culture is geared towards working as hard as you can all the time, because lives truly are depending on it. Um, I remember feeling completely separate from the world at the grocery store. Like it was a very eerie, odd feeling. Like I was on the outside watching this other species, oh, but I, yeah. you know, I didn't belong to them because I couldn't relate to regular people anymore. Like I didn't understand people who slept at night and went shopping <laughs> during the day. It was truly like a science experiment. Like, let me see what these animals do <laughs> in the checkout line. Um, so like, well rested. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, you know, that's, not really healthy. Um, But on the other hand, prioritizing life at the expense of work, you know, has its own drawbacks. It it can mean that you don't advance in your career. It can even mean that you lose your career. It can mean that you aren't a good candidate when a dream job opportunity does come your way. It can mean that you don't get the raise that you might otherwise have gotten. So you miss out on income. It can mean that you're not necessarily fulfilled. So 
clearly those are tangible reasons for for why finding this balance is important. But there are some other physical reasons why we need to find that balance. You know, it's there's there's a lot of research that shows that heart attacks and strokes as well as mental health issues such as anxiety and depression go way up when people are unbalanced in this way. We know that weight gain, damaged immune systems are are often a result of prioritizing work over life. Yeah, I don't like to think about the weight gain part, but it's absolutely true. (laughs) I agree. I was trying to zoom through that part. We know that people often have a predilection to substance abuse when um, these two spheres are are out of sync. And, uh, you know, a lack of sleep actually leads to an actual drop in IQ, a measurable drop in your intelligence quotient. And I don't know how many of us feel that we have a lot of points we can necessarily spare. Every single one that I have right now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, if that's the case, then certainly you can drop the ball at work. Um, you know, as we talked about, which can have significant long-lasting effects. And then, of course, you know, it can lead to damaged marriages, damaged uh, other damaged relationships in your life, poor parenting, if you have children, teaching them poor habits of their own. And this is not at all limited to people who work outside the home, of course. If you are a stay-at-home parent, your work is caring for your home and children. And focusing on that work at the expense of your health or your family's health is no less unhealthy than focusing on an office job. All the same risks still apply. It might seem a little strange to think of, but if you spend 24 hours a day only caring for your children, that imbalance could still be setting a poor example for them. So clearly, I think we have a lot of incentives, as difficult as it is, to work towards achieving that balance. And as critical as it is, it's for some reason so hard in our culture to try to achieve that balance of really feeling like you're hitting it at work and at home and your own sort of like personal time and doing it all so that none of them are really being challenged or being neglected and you're you're just awesome in everything, right? Like how often does that really happen? <laughs> and why, but why is it so hard? So you know, there are factors that pull us towards prioritizing our work, factors that pull us towards prioritizing our family, and things that pull us toward to prioritize, you know, our own life in quotes, like those other things. And when you think about work, right, we're all sort of surrounded by these deadlines and needs for like promotion and raise. And some of that is just the American culture. Like it's all about work, right? And um and sort of reaching, you know, these right. these promotions and these milestones. We definitely live in a workaholic culture. Right. So you go to a party and what's the first thing you ask? Maybe you ask what, what your name is first. Maybe but really like your first question is, so what do you do? Right. So even in a party, in a social setting, we here we are talking about our work. And when people ask you, how are you doing? What do you say? Busy. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm busy. Right. Exactly. You know, we are just surrounded by it. And we even talk about it like it's a badge of honor. Like I've only slept five hours all week. Awesome. Right. (laughs) So, right. So there is, you know, there are things that make us prioritize work. But then also thinking about your family. You know, if you have kids, kids grow up so fast and we all get so anxious about missing those, you know, those like key moments in their lives. And, you know, I, you know, 
have two young kids and I always do wonder, will I be at work when one starts to walk? Will I be at work with, you know, the first word? Will I miss those, those milestones and those important moments? Um, So you really want to spend time with your family. You want to keep your marriage strong. You know, that feeling that family really grounds you, I think is important for a lot of us. So then you do feel pulled to uh, make sure that, you know, that their needs are met, that you are also personally fulfilled in your family time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's those other things that that's part of your quote unquote life. And, and that's, those are things that help to keep you healthy exercise and sleep and me time and social time with your friends. And unfortunately we often will steal time from those things so that we can spend more time with our work or more time with our family. Um, And the problem is, as Lisa mentioned, that the more you take out of sleep and exercise, you know, the more we're harming our own health. So it's easy to say like, well, you know what, I'll catch up on that on the weekend. But I don't know about you, Lisa, but weekends for me, I am the chauffeur for my (laughs) four-year-old who somehow has a much more like social life than I do. (laughs) Right, exactly. go from karate to swimming to some birthday party to like a play date. (laughs) What's a play date? I mean, I didn't have a play date. Don't get me started. Like she literally asked me for play dates with kids that she spends 10 totally. hours a day with at school. <laughs> oh my gosh. Play date culture. I am deeply immersed. Oh, I yes. know. <laughs> oh yes. And want to like extricate myself from that, that <laughs> culture. But um, so weekends are busy and if it's not with family events, then it's possibly with work too. You know, one out of every three people in the United States who are employed full time are working on an average weekend day. And if that's you, unbelievable. It is, right? A third of people are working on the weekends. And if you have more than one job, you're more than half of those people are working on an average weekend. So, you know, we are pulled in so many different directions and we realize how critical this is for our health. So, so what do we do, Lisa? <laughs> Great <laughs> solutions do you have for us? Great question, Lonre. It is, you know, I think that's a pretty sobering statistic. You know, if you're one of those lazy people that only has one job, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you still have a very good chance of, be, of working on the weekends, which is really not sustainable as a permanent solution because we know that physiologically our bodies need rest. Uh, you know, unless you're making up that weekend somewhere during the week, which most people probably aren't. So right. what are the potential solutions? So, you know, there are a couple, you, you can find solutions kind of in each of these spheres. So in terms of work, there are a lot of creative things that people have tried that And, you know, again, everything won't work for everyone, but some of these things might be things you can pull out and try for yourself to see if they fit with your life. You know, things like flex scheduling, going part-time, if your particular field allows it, uh, becoming a freelancer or becoming self-employed, learning to work more efficiently if you find that there are big blocks of time at work that seem to be frittered away uh, by non-productive things. These are all potential strategies that you can employ to help you move that pendulum more towards the middle. Um, So that you're spending less time at work if what you find is you don't have enough time for life. But it's important for us to mention that this can be hard advice to take as a woman of color. Both Lonre and I are women of color. And, you know, we know that people in our community often already have a higher bar to reach just to be viewed as equal to others, let alone superior enough to qualify for a raise or a promotion. So trying to climb up the corporate ladder or scale the academic ladder or become a partner at your firm or whatever your you know particular career uh, goals may be, trying to do those things 
uh, that's tough when there are already systemic biases. So some of these solutions, such as going part-time or flex scheduling, they may not be that that might not be an option. And it's important to remember that because they may actually make that journey even dif- more difficult for some. So then we turn to possible fixes at home. What are some ways we can maybe get some more time there? Um, so some options are hiring more childcare, trading childcare, learning to accept help from others, which is often very difficult for women. Um, changing your spouse's work schedule, training your children to help out at home. You know, isn't that something that's difficult for our parenting generation? (laughs) I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. I mean, how much did you do when you were young, Lonry? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. Even my parents would would admit to this. We would like, you know, as little as we were when we were young, it might take three of us to unload the dishwasher, but we'd have our little assembly line and we'd we'd get it done. Right. Chores are the kids' responsibility. (laughs) And and for our listeners, I should say, Lonry is one of five children. Okay, so certainly there was more (laughs) child power in her home. Uh, We do not have five children, either one of us. (laughs) No. Not even together do we have five children total. Combined. (laughs) Nor do we have plans to have each have five children. But you know, for however many children you have, it is certainly not unreasonable to expect them to help out at home. They're part of the family. And I think I think that's challenging because a, you know, there's definitely something about our generation of parents. We, you know, always, maybe maybe this is all parents. I don't know. You know, I, but you know, we kind of want to coddle our kids and, and think of them as little. And I think also the reality is that for many chores I ask my kids to do, it will get done so much faster if I just do it myself. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so it's easy to fall into that trap when I'm rushed. But the truth is if we train them now, it could help us so much more down the road. Right, right, right. And they learn skills that are so important for their own lives and yes. whoever their like future spouses might be right. will be thankful probably. Every child I think needs to learn these skills. Absolutely. I, I firmly believe my son needs to learn just as much as my daughter. I mean, didn't you feel once you were married and had your own family, didn't you feel so much more confident doing a lot of these things because you had done them as a child? Right, you know? exactly, exactly. I didn't have to figure so much out, just, you know, all brand new. Right. It's so much more intimidating if you're like cleaning a bathroom for the first time, you know, and and you're working. So it's not like you have hours to figure that out. So I think we're really doing our children a favor and it can help us as well. The reality, too, is that the expectations for caring for children in the home do tend to still fall on women in the majority of households in our culture. So it is, you know, even if that's not the case for you, which is wonderful if if it is not, um, you know, it is liberating to get to the point where you feel un- where you feel comfortable accepting help. And mm. we also recognize that hiring help is a form of privilege. So certainly that's not available in every situation. But you know, these are all potential strategies that maybe you can use as a grab bag. You know, does something fit into your life to make it a little more smoothly running? Also, as ages and stages change, our solutions will keep changing. You know, life life is full of seasons. And when your kids are little, you probably will need more help than when they're a little bit older. Mm-hmm. At least at least that's what they tell me, Lonre. I, I yeah. hope that's true. <laughs> We're hoping for that day. That day will come at some point, I think. Oh, gosh. Those are great, great at helping out now. But it, I, I'm excited for, for the vast improvements. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, totally. Not to, not to assume that you have everything set in stone and to realize that we're going to have to be flexible 
and things, our kids will change, their situations will change, our jobs may change, all sorts of things may change, and your strategies may have to change as well. Right. And even reviewing or resetting your expectations about what balance is. You know, as I said earlier, we rarely, or should I say we never <laughs> achieve perfect balance or we feel like we're just killing it at everything. <laughs> right. Do, do you feel that way? Oh, you know what? Like, uh, I would say, you know, rarely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say zero to 1% of the time. Right. <laughs> so what I like to do, and I think, you know, a lot of others would say the same is to take the approach of just acknowledging that something will be out of balance at one point or another, or won't get the full attention that it needs at some particular time. But the key for me and the advice I, I share is just don't let it be the same thing all the time. Right. So if I have a deadline at work at the end of the week, you know, I, that's when I ask for uh, more help or more expectations. Maybe we'll go on my husband for some of the things that I normally would do in terms of like household chores or activities or that sort of thing, or vice versa. You know, if he has something, then I might take on a little bit more. Or if I want to spend more time at home, then I just decide maybe for that week, there's a little bit less sort of working after bedtime and maybe spending a little bit more time catching up on sleep or doing other right. things. And um, the important thing there, I think, is if you do have a spouse and you're sort of sharing these responsibilities, that communication is key so that everyone knows what to expect for the next day or week or month or whatever it may be. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. You know, recognizing that part of the balance is fluid, you right, know, and right. they have to be taken day by day or week by week. Right. Yeah, right. Great. Yeah. So that's our take on work-life balance. Hopefully we gave you a few good ideas that you can take home and experiment with because listen, we support you. We have been there. We still are there very often. So, you know, this is a struggle that's real for all of us. And when we put our heads together, uh, hopefully we can make it better for all of us as well. That's right. And remember, this is a no judgment zone. So, you know, feel completely okay with the fact that you don't have to have it all correctly or, you know, perfectly all the time, right? We're all working through this together. And as we said, it's okay if some things are out of balance. And sometimes that is part of the balance that it's a give and take among all the different parts of your life. So excited for our Dr. Mom life hack of the week because we're talking about <laughs> calendars. I'm such a nerd, Me but too. I love calendars and letting calendars actually rule my life because I controlled the calendar and then I just followed the rules I set for myself. Easy peasy. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa, how do you use calendars to help with this like work-life balance and to, to help keep things straight? So this is why Lonra and I are BFFs, because I, too, love a good calendar. <laughs> and uh, Right. Ex well, apparently they exist, Lonra. I, I don't know. but <laughs> um, Yeah. So my husband and I use a shared calendar, which has revolutionized our life. So for us, we use Google Calendar, but really any app uh, will do. And I think you can experiment with all. There are several major ones on the market, and you can um, you know play around with them and see which one fits best for you. But for us, we really like Google Cal Google Calendar because a uh, we can sync it across all our devices. And what we've done is created a different calendar for each member of our family, um, each in a different color. And you know, as as all parents out there will attest, it really shocked us when our son, you know, by the age of four had a jam-packed calendar. Uh, right. His color was full on our family calendar. But it, to us, it only emphasized how important the family calendar really was in helping our uh, our life run smoothly. So 
Um, what we do is we use every appointment or task that any of the four of us have to do goes in that calendar. So everyone knows what's going on at all times. We have a fifth calendar in another color for uh, appointments that are shared between our children. Since our kids go to the same school, all school events go in that fifth color. We have another color for holidays, birthdays, that kind of thing. And just knowing that everything is in one place really takes the stress out of it. Um, Knowing that I can add something at work and it will show up at my husband's work and he won't add something at that same time is key, Mm -hmm. you know, and we also use the calendar, uh, you know, we make it work for us by putting in yearly reminders, recurring reminders for things like changing our furnace filters. I mean, I can't remember all this stuff. You know what I mean? So I put it into the calendar once I set it to recur every six months or every year, whatever it needs to be done. And then it pops up on the day and I can forget about it in between, you know, passport renewals, you know, different ways that you can use, uh, the that you can like squeeze more functionality out of an app that ostensibly is just for scheduling, um, but really has made things go much more smoothly for us. Recipes that I want to make, if I see a recipe rather than saving it somewhere else, sometimes I'll just save the link in my calendar for a day that I think I'll be free. And then once I get to that day, if I'm not free, I'll just move it to another day. But little things like that, if I just know all I have to do is check my calendar, I don't have to check 16 different other places to remember things that I'll forget it makes it so much easier. Yeah, that's great. I'm a big fan of that. Your calendar is like your reminder system. And it's so funny that you say that I literally have on my calendar for this Saturday to change our HVAC filter. (laughs) (laughs) See? You will be breathing fresh air. (laughs) Thanks to your calendar. (laughs) I think this is why we were friends. Totally. Yeah. This was the evidence right here. That was eerie. (laughs) Yeah. And what I love as well as using Google calendars for our family calendar is also using my work calendar to, to really help me stay organized. So at my job, we use Microsoft Outlook for emails and calendars. Um, and I should say that Google and Microsoft did not pay us to <laughs> endorse their products or anything for this podcast. Um, but if they would like to, they can just go to www.hippocratichost.com. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, no, seriously. Um, we uh, we use Outlook and I try to make sure to block time to work on things that I think will take um, a big chunk of time, like writing, um, either thinking about, you know, grant proposals or reports or um, any kind of reading that I need to do um, on patients, preparing for meetings, that sort of thing. Anything also that requires deep thinking. So like kind of strategizing and planning for the future. Um, Otherwise, those things, if I don't prioritize them and create the time for them, I find that that's what I end up doing again after bedtime or on the weekends. Um, So I tried to take a look at my to-do list and whatever deadlines I have coming up for two weeks at a time and make my calendar work for me. Um, There's some science around shorter times of, um, you know, bursts of work, um, really work best, like for an hour or even less than that. Um, For me, I feel like it really depends on the task. I usually try to actually block at least two or three hours just to give myself a cushion because I know myself that at some point I'll really want to start by just double checking that there are no urgent emails. And then an hour later, I'm finally getting to whatever work it was that I had set time out for. Um, So even things like, you know, if I have a presentation to work on or calling patients back for lab results, I put it in the calendar. Otherwise, the day just fills up. 
and you end up just doing that work from home, which then takes away from family time and me time, right? Um, I also use my work calendar even for blocking out time for things like picking up my daughter from school or from aftercare. If I know, because it's, you know, these the state age, aftercare, daycare, schools, they will charge you by the minute, by the second if they could, right? If you're late picking up picking up your child, because they work really hard and you know, they don't want to encourage people picking up their children late. So if I know that I need to leave the office at 5:30 to avoid those by the minute late fees, then I can't really join a one-hour meeting that starts at five. So I block out that time to avoid having someone else at a meeting that I can't attend. So there's a lot more that you can do um, with calendars uh, to stay organized um, and to try to help you with that work-life balance. But we hope that these tips help you add some more structure to your day so that you can spend more time doing the things that you love. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We've really enjoyed uh, sharing this conversation with you, and we hope you'll join us next time uh, when we tackle kids and technology, how to harness the good and limit the bad when it comes to kids and devices in a tech-obsessed world. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.